Welcome back to Brojo Online. I've got a special episode for you today. I'm going to give you the first three chapters of my upcoming book, The Naked Truth. Just to give you a taste of what's going to be in it, we're going to cover my journey to become honest, what honesty is, and the hidden faces of dishonesty. Enjoy. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. Choosing to be honest. Integrity is doing the right thing when you don't have to, when no one else is looking or will ever know, when there will be no congratulations or recognition for having done so. That quote was an excerpt from Shattering the Glass Slipper by Charles Marshall. My life was a lie. I spent the majority of my life living a complete fiction. Up until about the age of 25, Most of what went on inside of me was not accurately represented by my words or actions. I was hiding most of my beliefs, thoughts and emotions, especially if they were unpleasant, painful or confrontational. I lied about who I was and what I had done. I worked jobs I didn't like because I thought I had to and because I was needy for money. I formed relationships with people I didn't even like and I did so by pretending to be someone I wasn't. I had almost everyone, including myself, completely fooled. Most of my behaviour was a strategically crafted performance. Not only that, my view of myself and what went on inside me, represented by the dialogue in my head, was also an ongoing lie. A story designed to remove the constant guilt caused by my frequently fake expressions and my manipulative social performance. I called this performance being a nice guy. It was an identity that I had become attached to. I would cling to it during uncomfortable moments, like a shy child hiding behind his mother's skirt when weird Uncle Jack offers him a lolly. It was through being nice that I justified my constant bullshitting. Would you be willing to lose everyone in your life just to have integrity? I certainly wasn't, not even close. Not for most of my life anyway. Essentially, from a very early age, nearly everything I did had the underlying motive of gaining some form of approval from other people. I was so dominated by my neediness for approval, validation and acceptance that it permeated every decision I made and every action I took. And yet, I couldn't see it. I was so blinded by neediness that I lacked all awareness of its existence. Well, not all awareness. Every time I pretended I was someone I wasn't, I felt something. Every time I prioritised someone else's needs over my own, there was a bitterness in the background. Every time I missed an opportunity because I lacked the courage to take a risk, it would haunt me in my dreams. I noticed that I often had to justify my own actions to myself. In the sewers of my mind, sleuthing around like Pennywise the Clown, was a lingering regret. A guilty response to how I was living. Maybe you've been feeling it too. The voices in your head. Deep, deep down, somewhere in the basement of my subconscious, a voice was whispering to me in agony, questioning all of my constant deception. Unfortunately, for most of my life, that voice was drowned out by the others. My fear of abandonment and rejection was much louder and more demanding bullying the other voices into silence and hoarding the keys to my mental control room. It took decades for me to even realise there was another voice in the background, 
pleading to be heard. And once I began to hear it, I was extremely uncomfortable with what it had to say. Perhaps you're reading this book because, like me, the voice of your integrity is getting louder. You've tried the fake way of living for some time now, and it isn't going as well as it's supposed to, is it? The voice of integrity is pointing out that trying to make people like you doesn't increase the feelings of connection with them. It's telling you that seeking money and status isn't increasing your satisfaction with life. Perhaps the voice of integrity is even telling you that trying to look like you've got it all together is even more tiresome than just letting shit fall apart. You will have already seen glimpses of your integrity, for sure. There were times where you were proud of yourself for standing up for what you believed in. There were times when you impressed yourself by courageously taking a risk. There were times you got a surprisingly positive response when boldly asking for what you really wanted. There might have even been a genuine connection or two that occurred in your life, in which you were not hiding your insecurities or using any strategic manipulation, and felt a complete absence of loneliness for once. There have been signs along the way in your life, as there were for me, whispers from the voice of integrity about the possibility of another way to live, a way which doesn't require a constantly dishonest performance. Honesty hurts like a bitch. Accepting responsibility for my integrity was the most difficult yet ultimately rewarding decision I've ever made. When I finally dropped the excuses, the lies I used to tell myself, and faced the fact that no one has ever forced me to be dishonest, and that it was always a choice, I was freed. Speaking my mind removed all my resentments and sense of unfairness. Allowing people to reject the real me so that I could pursue genuine connections, improve my quality of life tenfold or perhaps more. Choosing to do what I wanted rather than what others told me I should want eventually created a meaningful life that I would never think to trade with anyone else. And I want this for you as well. But I must warn you, it's going to hurt. Make no mistake, you choose dishonesty because in the short term it hurts less. You avoid confrontations because it feels warm and cosy when everyone just gets along. You prioritize the needs of others over your own because you like to be seen as a self-sacrificing hero. You deny the truth about why you repeat the same harmful patterns of behavior by blaming it on others because you don't want the burden of responsibility and acceptance. I get it. It seems like a sound strategy, right? Yet, this comfort and familiarity comes at a terrible price. There's something that hurts a lot more than confrontations, embarrassment, failure, and disapproval. And that is regret. Regret for a life not lived. For lack of integrity. For missing out on loving connections. For missed opportunities for adventure. For not having an impact on the world. You've been avoiding the pain of honesty without realizing that you have traded your very soul for the illusion of a little comfort and easiness. The longer you allow this to go on, the longer you will suffer. Thankfully, it's never too late to break this pattern of behavior and rediscover the honesty you once knew as a small child. The longer you've lived apart from it, the more dishonest you've been, the more it will hurt to switch over to honesty and integrity. You are going to have to completely let go of controlling that which is external to you. All hell might break loose, and it's okay to be scared. I was too. But it will not be unbearable, I promise you. You will be able to handle it. 
We will take it slowly at first, and gradually build up your tolerance to the initial pain of truthfulness. I will hold your hand. And as you begin to experience the relief and rewards that come from honest living, your courage and stamina will increase too, until living honestly becomes relatively painless. I genuinely feel more comfortable being ruthlessly honest now than I have ever felt while performing for approval in the past. But this transition took time, and it hurt. Preparing for the journey. We're going to observe your unique personal relationship with honesty, and explore a way of living where you express yourself truthfully, allow only genuine connections with other people to be nurtured, pursue the career and lifestyle you genuinely want, and let go of inaccurate beliefs about the world. I have a simple goal, to make it easier for you to have integrity. I want to show you the benefits of living more honestly than you currently do, and how to do it. In the first book of this trilogy, Nothing to Lose, we explored what it means to think more accurately, to adjust your beliefs to be more focused on what is true, both about you and the external world. If you haven't read it, that's okay, this book will still make sense. Now, in The Naked Truth, we'll look at transitioning from thinking accurately into honest expression and action. It's about changing the way you behave in order to increase your integrity. This book will have a huge emphasis on taking action. Listening to this audiobook is but a small part of the transformation. You must change your behavior if you hope to truly benefit from the ideas in this book. At the end of almost every chapter, I will suggest possible actions for you to take. They are merely suggestions. I don't care what you end up doing, as long as you do something different to what you usually do. Preferably, something more honest. When you read this book, make an effort to stop after you finish each chapter to do something new with the insights and ideas that have come up for you during the reading. It doesn't need to be a massive, world-changing action. It only needs to be something that is courageously more honest than usual. In other words, be more truthful in your expression, more passionate in your actions, or at least more accurate in your perceptions. I will give you the guidance along the way in order to make this transition into action as simple and manageable as possible. My personal change into a person of integrity was achieved one tiny action at a time. While I certainly had some big moments, such as initiating intense confrontations or expressing attraction directly for the first time, the real gains came from a daily momentum of slightly increased honesty over time. You can avoid overwhelming yourself or slipping into a complacent information-slash-thinking trap by doing what I did. Focus on small actions that can be performed every day and are designed to gradually increase your integrity. The suggested actions will never be more than you can handle, but they will push you to the limits. I'm genuinely excited as I write this. You might be embarking on a journey that transforms reality as you know it. I'm going to introduce you to the possibility of something amazing, a life where you get to truly be yourself all the time. What is honesty? If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. That's a quote by Mark Twain. Honesty is when your words and actions accurately reflect what you're currently believing, thinking, feeling, and desiring. It's when what you express aligns with your inner experience. And what you do aligns with what you want to do or what you believe is the right thing to do. Honesty is an expression of what you believe to be true. And when you're not sure if something is true or not, 
your expression will show your uncertainty and doubt. You'll clearly state the difference between opinion and fact. Your expression will show certainty when you believe what you're doing is truthful, and uncertainty when you're open to challenge and correction. I can be honest about what is happening or has happened, a narrative on my thoughts, memories and emotions. I can also be honest about why I'm sharing these things, my intentions, insecurities and desires. The more I show you, the more honest I am. The less I show you, the less honest I am, until eventually I'm not just hiding information, I'm deliberately allowing you to believe something I know not to be true. This is when honesty becomes dishonesty. The difference between honesty and truth. Honesty is different to accurate truthfulness. Just because what you're expressing aligns with what you believe to be true doesn't mean it's accurate or can be proven with evidence. I can honestly believe in something without that something being correct. Try not to confuse honesty, expression of belief, with objective truth, verifiable facts. Being honest is the first goal. Becoming more truthful is the refinement of honesty. Try to view being honest as expressing what you believe to be true, while being truthful is when what you express is also aligned to verifiable facts. For example, if I believe the earth is flat, I can say, the earth is flat, and I'll have been honest, but I won't have been accurately truthful, because I'm stating a fact about the earth without valid evidence to support it. If I was instead to say something more like, I think the earth is flat, then I'm being both honest and accurately truthful, because I'm now talking more about my belief than the factual nature of the earth. And, of course, if I was to say, based on what I've seen from scientific evidence, I've come to the conclusion that the earth is a sphere, I'm being accurately truthful while also being honest. To keep this simple, for now, bear in mind that honesty means that what you believe to be true aligns with what you express. Being accurately truthful is the next level up, when being honest also happens to align well with valid and reliable evidence. In a deep philosophical sense, you could argue that no one really knows what the objective truth is. However, you will always know what you believe to be true, and so being honest does not require knowledge of an objective truth, it only requires awareness of what you believe. And, obviously, when what you express does not align with what you believe, then you are lying. When what you express does align with what you believe, but does not align with the accurate truth, then you're being honest, but you're mistaken. As we'll explore later in this book, you will learn how to reconcile honesty with accurate truthfulness by speaking in such a way as to show that while you may believe in something with full certainty, you are simultaneously aware that you could be wrong. You will learn to talk about your inner experience. For example, saying things like, I assume that, or I feel like, or my mind is telling me that. Just be yourself. All throughout our lives we are given what appears to be a clear and simple instruction. Just be yourself. Those three words give us the impression that being true to yourself, in other words, having integrity, being unique, uninhibited, honest, and confident, is a straightforward and simple proposition. Real life experience, of course, has taught us otherwise. As we look around, we can clearly see that this be-yourself message has not been understood or implemented in a helpful way. 
we can see clear evidence that many people have not yet figured out how to just be themselves, and as a result are suffering from existential crises. Anxiety disorders are rampant, criminal behaviour continues and is increasing in harmful impact, and obesity rates continue to rise. These are all warning signs that many people are not satisfied with who they are, that their way of living is simply not working well for them, and their coping mechanisms are harmful. It's not unreasonable to assume that someone who has figured out what it means to be themselves, and is content with that, would be unlikely to develop chronic anxiety disorders, or commit harmful acts towards others in the form of crime, or destroy their body through emotional eating. Most people seem unable to clearly articulate what it means to be themselves, to express themselves honestly. Any online dating website or social media profile will show you how much the average person is willing to pretend and lie. The idea of being yourself in a measurable, tangible form remains a mystery to many. When you look closely at most people, you will see their needy, desperate striving to achieve, impress, and win approval at all costs. Yet they'll pretend to have noble intentions. You'll see a lot of people pursuing goals relentlessly, without enjoyment of the process along the way. What you won't see much of is shameless honesty, people showing their true opinions, feelings, and intentions. Just fake it. We are also told to fake it till you make it. We are told to dress sharp to impress others, and yet also told to stop caring what other people think. School taught us to chase a secure job and steady paycheck by teachers who often didn't seem to enjoy their own steady job. School taught us to chase a secure job and steady paycheck by teachers who often didn't even seem to enjoy their own steady job, without asking us once if that's what we actually want to do. And worst of all, we are told to be insincere with others in order to build lasting connections with them. For example, politeness, professionalism, and seduction. The advice out there on what it means to be yourself is clearly contradictory and senseless. Every rule you follow requires you to contradict another rule, and yet we mindlessly follow the path that others have set for us. As a child, you were probably encouraged to be yourself and to express yourself honestly, yet at the same time you got a ton of shit whenever you followed this noble advice if it was inconvenient for others. When a child throws an embarrassing tantrum in the supermarket, the worn-out parents snap and yell at the kid to stop crying. When a child speaks his or her mind, they are smacked on the bum for being rude. A child's natural impulses are to learn by curiously testing their surroundings and boundaries, which will inevitably get them into trouble. When they confess to these curiosity crimes, they are punished. They quickly learn to lie to avoid this punishment. Lying is a survival tool of the preteen. The movies, storybooks, and television programs you were exposed to in your youth constantly harped on about the concept of being yourself, while giving you almost no practical guidance on how to implement this idea. The plot lines of these stories often paradoxically show the heroes using deception and manipulation to achieve their goals. Your teachers, parents, and caregivers often recommended that you should not worry about what others think, Yet if you were to do something embarrassing for them personally, they would demand that you change your behaviour to suit them. In a nutshell, you have witnessed much hypocrisy around the advice of just be yourself, and therefore become confused about honesty as a concept. Take a moment to think about the confusing and contradicting messages you received as you grew up. While you were being advised to just be yourself, you were also being pressured to 
be polite even if it required lying, not rock the boat even if you disagreed strongly, dress to impress even if it felt fake or uncomfortable, not say anything if you didn't have anything nice to say, and to be nice even if you didn't feel like it, not to be saying not to be angry, sad, confused, scared, stressed, frustrated, or guilty, even though these emotions regularly occurred without you being able to control them. Do as you're told without question, even if you think it's unethical or senseless. Respect people just because of age, social status, and wealth, even if they're unkind to you. Follow your family's belief systems, regardless of counter-evidence. And study subjects at school that you weren't interested in. The list goes on and on. Slightly confusing messages, right? Well, perhaps the people raising you didn't have a totally clear idea themselves on what just be yourself means. The authority figures in your life actively promoted dishonesty and deception, often pressuring you to moderate or outright lie about your truth, and yet you were still desperately trying to cling to the concept of just be yourself. Eventually, the pressure became too much, and you lost your grip on what being yourself meant. Now you probably have no fucking clue who you are. But it's all good, my brothers and sisters, because you can find it again. I'm not going to tell you what it means to be you. Why would I? I have no way of knowing what being yourself means for you, as each of us is uniquely different. Instead, we'll focus our attention toward helping you express yourself honestly, to learn how to engage in behavior that aligns with your core values. Also, we will explore how to actively live by your truth as accurately as possible. I invite you to let go of all that being yourself stuff, and instead embrace the exploration of behaving more honestly. To get you ready for the shift, here is the definition of honesty that we'll be using in this book to replace the vague advice of just be yourself. Honesty is truthfully expressing what you think, how you feel, and what you want to do as soon as it occurs to you. Keep it simple summary. You were taught to be dishonest by people who had never lived honestly. Being yourself is a fluid concept that adapts to each new moment. You'll need to challenge everything you currently believe about confidence and integrity. Action step. Reflect on the messaging you've received about just be yourself. Maybe write a list of all the contradictory messaging you've received, for example, a teacher telling you to fit in with the rest of the class. The Hidden Faces of Dishonesty The most common lie is that which one lies to himself. Lying to others is relatively an exception. That's a quote from Friedrich Nietzsche. Everyday Dishonesty Because your mind doesn't want to acknowledge dishonesty, it hides the truth behind rationalized explanations. In this chapter, we're going to reveal a few of these hidden faces of dishonesty to ensure you aren't fooled by them. Prepare to feel some resistance, as many of the points I'm about to make in this chapter may challenge some of the long-standing beliefs and patterns of behavior you've been holding on to. Politeness From a very early age, we are told that there are things that we can and cannot say to certain people, based on a context we find ourselves in. Politeness is a set of rules about what is acceptable to be expressed in a certain situation, the rules of the social game. What is considered to be polite changes depending on the context, audience, and culture. It usually means this. When you're around someone who outranks you socially, for example a family elder or the boss of the company, 
or someone who is not yet considered a personal connection, for example a business partner or the waiter at a restaurant, you must reduce your honesty to the level of a superficial and pleasing conversation to avoid upsetting that person. Anything outside of this range of pleasing material is considered impolite. Think back to every shitty birthday or Christmas present you've received from a relative who obviously doesn't know much about you. Think of how you felt compelled to say thank you anyway. You had to pretend to be grateful despite not genuinely feeling it. Is this honesty? When you ask your work colleagues every single day about how their morning is going, do you genuinely care? Perhaps you just say it because you've always said it and because you're supposed to say it. Perhaps you almost never really mean it. Remember that bullshit your parents and caregivers taught you about how if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? Translated, that means if you think others will be upset by you being honest, deceive them instead. Think about how often you keep truthful thoughts, feelings and beliefs to yourself because you don't want to be perceived as impolite. In other words, negative, disrespectful, threatening, awkward, annoying or inappropriate. Think about how often you've avoided interrupting someone because you didn't want to be rude and then ended up never saying what you really wanted to say. Every time this happens, you are allowing people to believe something untrue about you. This is called being dishonest. Politeness is a fancy term given to the lies that supposedly keep social harmony flowing smoothly. Most expressions made with the intention to avoid rudeness are probably going to be fake and not representative of what is truly going on inside of you. You may argue that it's genuine for you to be polite simply because you've always been polite. It's who you are. But if I always tell a lie, does that make it true? If I always hide my true feelings by pretending to have more acceptable emotions, does it make the pretense real? Politeness generally falls on the lower harm end of the dishonesty spectrum. You mostly do it for yourself and others know what's happening and aren't hurt by it. Nonetheless, it is a form of dishonesty that can prevent you from building confidence, having necessary confrontations and creating meaningful connections. Later in this book, instead of politeness we'll look at combining honesty with compassion. We'll explore how you can express yourself without any deception, yet still care for people as they receive your honesty. Being nice. What does being nice mean to you? Think about everything you do under the banner of being nice. It ranges widely from person to person, but generally we see a theme of behaviours that tend to provoke a pleasurable reaction in others, such as happiness, satisfaction, relief, egotism and calmness. Whenever we're able to manipulate someone away from one of the negative emotional states like anger, stress, confusion, fear or sadness into one of the positive emotions, we label our behavior as being nice. How honest is your niceness? Reconsider how genuinely generous your nice behavior is and whether you're doing it to improve the quality of life for others or if you're simply trying to enhance their view of you. Do they know the real reason you're being nice? Do you? If you are raised to be nice, have you stopped to reassess this long-standing behavioural pattern to check if it is as altruistic and genuine as you hope it is? Is this more about them feeling good, or you avoiding uncomfortable emotions yourself? Being nice was my weapon of choice for most of my early life. I leveraged it to make people approve of me, often by using it to prevent and avoid confrontation. 
And, let me tell you, it worked like a charm. But, of course, I didn't realise that I was using niceness to control people. I just thought I was nice. We use nice behaviour to manipulate others toward feeling a pleasurable emotion which they will then link to us, making them like us more. Yet we don't openly tell them that this is what we're doing. We shrug and smile and allow them to believe that we are simply generous with no self-serving motive. Newsflash. Everything you do is self-serving. This doesn't mean you're selfish, which would be more about failing to acknowledge or respect the harm done to others. But it does mean everything you do is primarily intended to service your own needs. Even when you sacrifice yourself for someone else, you're doing it for an internal reward of some kind. Maybe it's so you can tell yourself you're a good person. Maybe it's for the pity and respect others give you in return. Maybe you even enjoy the pain and martyrdom of self-sacrifice. One thing is for sure, whatever benefit they're receiving is secondary to your own gratification. Now there's nothing wrong with having these motives, especially since they are natural and therefore unavoidable, but are you being honest about them? After being nice, do you tell someone, hey, don't thank me, I just did it to make myself feel good? Or do you secretly expect them to show gratitude for your heroic kindness? Do you demand reciprocation from others despite already secretly receiving the juicy reward of pride and satisfaction from within yourself? Being nice appears throughout the entire spectrum of dishonesty. It can range from a mild unconscious drive to make everyone feel calm, through to a deliberate narcissistic manipulation that severely harms others. Often, people feel pleasurable emotions after you're nice to them, however they can also feel controlled and pressured to reciprocate. Being nice doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're improving other people's lives, and it can often mean the opposite. Making someone feel good now so that you can pressure them to do things for you later, as if they owe you a debt, is hardly a nice thing to do, yet this is exactly what most people do in the name of niceness. People will be nice to their date in expectation of sexual reward. Bosses will be nice to their employees in expectation of unpaid overtime. Parents will be nice to their children in expectation of obedience. Doesn't sound all that nice, does it? Sounds more like emotional extortion. The real harm of being nice in the way described above is the catastrophic damage it does to your own self-confidence. Look at it this way. I've created an entire business based on helping people recover from the destructive impact that being nice has wreaked in their lives. In this book, instead of being nice, we'll look at honest generosity. Giving for the sake of giving, rather than to manipulate someone for instant gratification. We will combine this with the practice of courage to also be confrontational when it matters, allowing for a balance of compassion for others with self-respect. Getting to know someone. This is the nice sounding label we generally give to the beginning phase of a new friendship or romantic relationship. It sounds respectful, curious and giving. We think of it as carefully peeling back the layers of an onion, the ever increasing revelations of depth between two people as trust and love grows between them over time. Yet in reality, it represents a prolonged performance. A pretense we use to avoid discomfort, embarrassment and rejection. When we get to know someone, we aren't actually focused on allowing them to see who we really are. Not right away, at least, and sometimes not ever. 
Instead of connecting deeply, we merely put on a performance for each other while slowly dishing out morsels of truth over time. We feed each other a calculated amount of true information over time, hidden within piles of fiction and superficial noise, making sure to be very, very careful not to scare the other person away with too much truth. And they reciprocate, like a dance between mating swans, since they only let us see a carefully moderated version of themselves in response. Whenever the truth is deemed as dangerous to the safety of the relationship or our reputations, it is either hidden, watered down, or outright replaced with a lie. Getting to know each other is often nothing more than two fictional characters performing to gain each other's approval, with tasty pieces of truth occasionally thrown in, usually by mistake or with the support of alcohol. Seems like a reasonable approach though, right? Surely a person can't handle the whole truth all at once, we think, so it's only fair to ease them into it. Yet this process can take a long time, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, and most often years. And that's assuming you even come to the full truth at some point. That's a lot of bullshitting. And let's say, after years spent getting to know you, the other person finally concludes that they don't like the real you. If you had shown it right away, both you and they would have only lost a few hours of time instead of years. What have you stolen from them and lost for yourself? How many missed opportunities have passed them by because their attention was riveted on your fake performance? How much of your own time was wasted in needy pursuit of a pointless connection? How can you behave in such a deceptive way and still call yourself a good person? I rate the pretense of getting to know someone as very harmful. You can steal an entire lifetime from someone with this act. And what about what happens to you when you start to get lonely? Lessons learned from my own life and the lives of my clients tell me that holding back on honesty will reduce both the quantity and quality of connections you have with other people, and as the years go by you'll start to feel ever more isolated. For many, being lonely is one of the most painful psychological states a person can experience. Truly getting to know someone can take just a few seconds, not months or years, if you're willing to be completely open and honest. In this book, you will learn how to genuinely connect within minutes of meeting someone by diving straight into the juicy real stuff instead of playing it safe. Working for the money When you engage in work or career activities you don't really like, it's often because you tell yourself that you need to do it for the money. While it might be true that you need money to purchase survival items, and even this is debatable, how honest is it to tell yourself that you need money from this specific job? At what point did you come to believe that enjoying your work and making money must be two separate things? Is accumulating a safe amount of money more important than enjoying your life? You'll have your reasons, I have no doubt. You'll have a big list of why you have to work at your current job. Even though you would leave your job in a heartbeat if you won the lottery, somehow you convince yourself that this specific job is important and must be maintained at all costs. You have convinced yourself that trying to find something more satisfying is impossible right now. There may even be times where you willingly sacrifice your integrity for this job, which is another way of saying you sacrifice who you are for money. You might be telling yourself stories about how your survival depends on this paycheck, and how your kids will starve and your partner will leave you if you don't bring in that money. There's a story about how you don't have enough time to find something else, even though every person on the planet has the same amount of time each day. The amount of time it's taking you to read this chapter is more than enough to apply for a new job online. 
There's a story about how it's part of a long-term plan for a future reward, despite the fact that there is no guarantee you'll even live to see tomorrow. Then there's a story about how the job isn't that bad, and your workmates are kind of okay, and you're lucky to have a job in this economy, and all that stuff. Deep down, right at the core of your being, you know it's a big load of bollocks. How do you know this? Because you're forced to justify it to yourself. If this really was the job for you, you wouldn't need the big song about why you need to stay. The answer would simply be, this is my calling. There's nothing more rewarding that I can do with my time right now. No further explanation required. But instead you have the thing with the money and the time and the obligation and the okay workmates and all the other excuses you hide behind to dishonestly avoid your fear of change through quitting. I rate working for money as a high level of harm on the dishonesty spectrum, even though you aren't deliberately intending to deceive or hurt others. The suffering of a life not fully lived can be directly sourced to your career above nearly everything else. Simply put, if your daily work isn't meaningful, your life probably isn't either, even if you find meaning elsewhere, for example family, because work usually takes up a majority of your time. Also, by staying in a career position you hate, you're depriving someone else of that job, someone who might love it. In this book, instead of working for fictional outcomes like money and safety, we will explore what it means to work for a reason, how to give purpose and meaning to your work, and how to redefine why you do it in the first place. Apologizing. God, don't even get me started on apologizing. We'll explore this in much more detail later in the book. Every time you say excuse me or sorry, you're taking responsibility for the way someone else feels and you are claiming ownership of the way the universe works. You're either pretending to feel regret for your actions because you're trying to be polite, in other words you're not really sorry, or you're expressing regret for knowingly causing harm, in other words you're only sorry because you got caught, or you're genuinely feeling regret for something you had no control over. In other words, you're apologizing on behalf of fate. All of these are examples of deception or believing something untrue. If you accidentally bump into someone while walking down the street, do you say sorry because you feel genuine remorse, based on clear, reliable evidence that bumping into them was a harmful event? Or is this an automatic reactive language pattern that you don't think to question? Why are you the one who bumped into them rather than it being them bumping into you? For you to be at fault, you would have to claim that you have full control of the circumstances of both of your lives leading up to the point where you bumped into each other. Are you God? That's quite some power you got there. What about when you deliberately hurt someone, or do something you knew had a high chance of creating harm? How can you honestly apologize for a purposeful action? You did it because you meant to do it, so pretending you regret it is just a lie. Perhaps you didn't realize that your actions would cause quite as much harm as they did, and only after the fact do you feel regret. Well, regret is one thing, but saying sorry implies that you didn't mean to cause harm at all when you knew reasonably well from the beginning that someone was going to get hurt. Now, I know what you might say, since I've had this argument many times. If you feel bad and have caused harm, saying sorry is a term of respect. You're showing the other person that you regret your behavior, which may be a truthful expression of how you feel, and you'd like to make them feel better. However, as we'll explore later in this book, 
verbally apologizing is very different from living with integrity by genuinely making amends through action. A verbal apology is usually just a tactic to relieve your own emotional discomfort while getting the aggrieved party to forgive you and approve of you once again. For now, I'll just say this. Apologizing is either unconsciously dishonest politeness, or it's a cop-out to avoid putting real effort into making things right. Either way, it has elements of dishonesty woven throughout, which means you're building up shame. You're either pretending to not feel ruthless or apathetic towards the victim, or you're taking shameful responsibility for something you did not actually control. In the end, it all leads back to reduced confidence. Simply put, a confident person will either make amends when she causes harm, or will give responsibility back to the party actually at fault, but has little use for the word sorry. Apologizing is low harm while it happens, but it can be very high harm in the longer term, especially if you are a person who habitually apologizes without conscious reasoning. The more often you say sorry just for being yourself and existing, the more you feel you're not good enough as a person. Apologizing can destroy self-acceptance, a crucial element to confidence. In this book, we will look at how to replace the above-mentioned forms of apologizing with active reparation. You can redeem yourself for the harm you accidentally cause as a natural byproduct of existing, rather than avoiding responsibility for it by hiding behind sorry. You are not alone. We all do this stuff. Every human being on the planet is at least a little bit untruthful in the way they express themselves. The highly subjective nature of truthfulness guarantees that you will slip from honesty, at least occasionally. This is the first truth you must face on your path toward integrity. In your attempt to be genuine, you will sometimes be false. We are all just humans. It's hard enough to be human to begin with, let alone to be an honest one. We've all been taught that it's okay to be dishonest, preferable even. This strategy is used by our parents to make us easier to manage, by our teachers to achieve their targets, by our bosses to control our performance, by salespeople to take our money, even by our partners to avoid rejection. You are surrounded by people influencing you to be dishonest because they are afraid of what they'll have to deal with if you start speaking the truth. Why are we afraid of the truth? Probably because it hurts like a bitch. When we express ourselves truthfully, we are forced to face the consequences and so is everyone else. The truth is entirely detached from civil harmony, safety, social acceptance, comfortable emotions, and quick-fix successes. Being truthful often rocks the boat socially, creates risks, generates painful emotional states, and delays gratification. We're so damned afraid of these consequences, but I believe we don't need to be, and in fact should not be. These costs of honesty are actually benefits that are only realized once you start allowing them to happen. This book explores a simple concept. We're going to look at what it means to be fully honest and experiment with the idea of living with integrity regardless of the social risks. We will have a look at what happens in people's lives when they choose the truth over popularity, safety, comfort, and quick results. We're going to find out if being truthful is a more rewarding way to live than pursuing external and ephemeral rewards. Is honesty really the best policy? I think so. Let's see if I'm right. I don't know how being honest will affect you, but I do know how making the change to start living truthfully affected me. It gave me a meaningful life. Keep it simple summary. 
facing how dishonest you are is the first step, and it's okay to feel guilty about it and resistant to change. Politeness, being nice, taking a while to get to know someone, working for money, apologizing, and more are all versions of being at least a little dishonest. We are all at least a little bit dishonest, and we lie to ourselves about it. Your friends and family do it too. Just watch them closely and you'll see it happen. Being honest will be difficult and imperfect. Your quality of life will be enhanced by increasing your honesty over time if you're willing to experiment. Key Actions Look back over the subheadings in this chapter and write down examples from your own life of how you slip into these frames of dishonesty. For example, how do you behave differently when you're getting to know someone compared with how you express yourself around closely trusted friends? Thank you so much for listening. Those are three select chapters from my upcoming book, The Naked Truth, just to give you a taste of what it's going to be like. The book itself gets into much juicier detail around how to be honest, how to be confrontational, even how to be ruthlessly honest when needed, and how to combine this with compassion so that you can build deeper, meaningful connections while building your own confidence. Stay tuned. The release of the book will be sometime soon. I'm not sure when. And of course, if you want any help becoming more honest, just get in touch, dan at brojo.org, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.